What's up, wrestling fans? Welcome to another Hot Tags edition of the Smartout Moment Smack Talk Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Tony Mango, and this is where we break down some of the current events, news, rumors, gossip, and whatever the hell else went down in the world of professional wrestling over the past couple of days. How y'all doing tonight? Make sure you leave your comments below and tell us what you think of all these different topics that we're going to be talking about. And unfortunately, we got to start off with bad news. Uh, if you watched Monday Night Raw, or if you've been checking the news over the past couple of days, you should know, obviously, the top story of the week. Bobby the Brain Heenan passed away at the age of 73. Apparently, it was due to organ failure from cancer. Uh, he had been in pretty bad shape, uh, for all accounts, for a couple of years now. I mean, if you look back at his speech at the Hall of Fame, you could tell that he wasn't really doing too well, but he hung on for quite a while and uh, got a couple more years out of his life and everything, so that's good. But obviously, you never like to hear this kind of stuff, and it's never anything fun to talk about. It's never anything uplifting or whatever. It's always just sad, even if you don't really necessarily know the person. I never got to meet Bobby the Brain Heenan or anything like that, so I don't have any personal stories behind him or anything. But obviously, our condolences go out to all of the Heenan family and all of his you know, friends and fans and family and uh, everybody like that. But on the topic of Bobby the Brain Heenan, uh, the best thing to do when you've got a situation like this is to just remember the people fondly. And, man, I got to tell you, Bobby the Brain Heenan is the guy that I consider the best color commentator of all time. I've been a big fan of Jerry the King Lawler from back in the day, and I always equate, like, uh, JR and uh, Lawler together and Michael Cole and JBL together as, like, those are the two that gel well together, and Gorilla Monsoon and Bobby the Brain Heenan. And it just seems to work that way with certain people. I, A lot of people can kind of say, like, Ventura and Monsoon a little bit or whatever like that. To me, Ventura and Vince work a little bit better together, but another story for another day. Uh, Bobby the Brain Heenan, though, no matter who he was with, he upped their game. And it wasn't any better than when it was with Gorilla Monsoon, as far as, like, my tastes go. Uh, he and Monsoon were so good together. And I, I liked Monsoon for his part of it. Like, he, he did a great job when it came to telling the stories and being that baby face and playing the straight man to Bobby Heenan and stuff. Cause Heenan was just, he would just, you know, snap a couple things out there in the middle of nowhere. And one of the best examples of Bobby, the brain Heenan is the 1992 Royal rumble. If you haven't ever watched the 92 Royal rumble, watch that because that is so much better because Bobby, the brain Heenan is on commentary and I'm going to spoil a little bit of it. And um, if you watched our Smart Announce table, we joke about this and stuff because we did a Smart Announce table for the 92 Royal Rumble, partially because it was for the title on the line, partially because I just think that it's a fun Royal Rumble and stuff. But Bobby the Brain Heenan is so good with it because he's such a supporter of Ric Flair. And Flair comes in number three, and it's all like, this is awful, but he's going to go the distance. And you know, being afraid for uh, Flair, and there's the whole fair to Flair kind of thing, and the back and forth between the idea of when Rowdy Roddy Piper is, like, kind of helping Ric Flair. It's like, I don't know why everybody calls it a skirt, it's a kilt, or whatever like that, and then he hits a Flair. That's a, that's a skirt, it's a skirt, you know? Like, it's so good. And 
Yeah, man, it just it sucks to hear that uh, the brain uh, is no longer with us and stuff. He hasn't been a part of the WWE family as far as like on screen capacity for years and years at this point. But he always still was kind of just, you know, hovering around the atmosphere sort of. And he's more of a legacy type of guy that he built his legacy and then he kind of exited the field. And a lot of other people, they stick around. Ric Flair is one of them. They kind of, they continually pop up. And sometimes it's for the better and sometimes it's for the worse. Because sometimes it can tarnish their legacy. And sometimes, they obviously, they can continue to do it and kind of keep it going and stuff. But uh, Bobby the Brain, I don't know anybody that doesn't like Bobby the Brain. He didn't like, he, he's one of those guys that I think that almost everybody just sort of agrees is great. It's like Bobby the Brain Heenan, Jim Ross, Undertaker... Mostly, for the most part, Shawn Michaels, although you'll you'll get the people that are like guys and asshole and stuff like that. Uh, but there's a, a lot of people that just kind of like, nobody can deny Stone Cold Steve Austin and The Rock and Hulk Hogan. Amazing draws. Macho Man Randy Savage, of course. Nobody can deny Jim Ross, one of the best play-by-play commentators of all time. Nobody can deny The Undertaker, probably the best big man if you qualify him as a big man. If not, still just one of the best overall superstars in the history of any pro wrestling organization. And when it comes to Bobby the Brain Heenan, of course, one of the best color commentators, one of the best managers too, because he was so good at doing that, whether he was with Mr. Perfect or Andre the Giant or it didn't even matter. He had so many people. I I lose track of how many people Bobby the Brain Heenan was actually managing. Let me try to bring it up on Wikipedia real quick while I'm talking because I can remember a bunch of different people and... I was uh, I was a very, like, 90s kid when it came to wrestling. So, like, the new generation to me was kind of the it thing. It was new generation and then the Attitude Era. And not, like, the late Attitude Era. Not, like, you know, uh, the tough enough type of uh, Attitude Era. I'm talking, like, early, you know, the Austin Era has begun type stuff. So when I would watch back on old tapes, I would watch 1980s, 19, early 1990s and stuff. So to me, it was like the quintessential managers were Bobby the Brain Heenan, Paul Heyman to a certain extent, because, you know, I still saw his interactions with people and stuff. Um, Jim Cornette to me was like right up there at the top kind of a thing. But Bobby the Brain Heenan was still just the best. So he... He managed, let's see here, there's a whole separate Wikipedia article for the Heenan family of just so many members, oh my god. Uh, But we've got Bockwinkle, we've got Big John Studd, King Kong Bundy, Andre the Giant, of course, Ravishing Rick Rude, Paul Orndorff, Harley Race, The Barbarian, Hercules, Red Rooster, wow, I don't remember him with the Red Rooster, huh. I'm going to have to check that out. Ric Flair, of course. Lex Luger. Haku. Uh, whoa, CM Punk was listed on here. Um, That's not ringing a bell. Nigel McGuinness, too. Okay. Uh-huh. If you know anything about that, let me know in the comments below. Colt Cabana. I don't remember him being out with Colt Cabana in any capacity, but that's got to be somewhere not in WWE. Um, yeah, man. Bobby the Brain Heenan. So much comedy, just so fucking quick-witted, and so goddamn funny. 
So you hate to see those news reports and stuff like that. His family seems to have kind of gotten used to the idea. I, I can't remember who it was off the top of my head. I think it was like his daughter said like it was just his time. It was, you know, it was a matter of time kind of a thing. And that sucks. But he's always going to be rem- uh, remembered fondly. And if you have any great Bobby the Brain Heenan stories or some favorite things that you've got in mind or something like that, drop them in the comments below. Tell us what you think. Share us with us. And um, links don't work on the uh, YouTube. I have that disabled where you can't really do that. But if you do have like a link to something or whatever like that, or you, you got like a specific time code or like a link on the network or something like that, you know, let us know because um, it'd be fun to kind of go back and check out people's favorite moments and stuff. Uh, let's move on to some other topics here, though. We've got the new premiere of Season 2 of WWE Storytime. It was called International Incidents. And I always try to give you a see it or skip it kind of a thing for these kind of little specials on the WWE Network. And I gotta say, this is a skip it. There were four stories. Chris Jericho, Corey Graves, Kofi Kingston, and Jonathan Coachman. And I didn't laugh at any of them. Now, you might laugh at them more, or at all, which would be more, but here's a quick breakdown of them. In case you don't want to watch it, if you do want to watch it, I'm not really spoiling anything because it's there's really nothing to them. Uh, Chris Jericho talks about how he was on a luchador TV show where they go and they pick your name. So he wanted to be Leon Oro, which is the Golden Lion. Uh, they also gave him the option of He-Man and Chris Power. And the story basically boils down to him going, oh, I wanted to be the Golden Lion. And then they picked the Golden Lion. Ha ha ha. Isn't it weird? Mm. Corey Graves talks about eating a snail and throwing up. Kofi Kingston talks about ripping up an autographed Bo Jackson uh, picture or whatever it was. And Jonathan Coachman talks about spilling Red Bull on Vince McMahon. And that really is it. So it's pretty boring. And it only takes about 20 minutes or something like that to watch it. So, again, these are pretty short, these things. So, I always say, if you want to put it on in the background, you're not going to really be killing yourself. It's not too much of a commitment. But you don't have to. And it's something that if you skip it, I don't think anybody's going to ever going to be like, oh, man, you you skipped that fucking story time. You missed out on so much stuff. Like, where were you when they released that WWE story time season two premiere? It's not going to happen. Nobody cares. Uh, <laughs> we have some news that Brie Bella is training for her return to WWE, but that's not necessarily the big story here. Bigger story when it comes to that is actually that they can't release any video footage of it because it includes Daniel Bryan taking bumps and they're not allowed to show him in any kind of wrestling capacity. So that's strange to me. If... Daniel Bryan is still so far into this never-gonna-wrestle thing that they can't even show him taking bumps in a training capacity. He's never gonna wrestle for WWE. Never. I mean, he could potentially get out of his contract and wrestle elsewhere, but it's never gonna happen. It'd be a different story if they kind of showed him doing that stuff and they didn't think too much about it. Then we can kind of start speculating... Oh, if they let him take bumps when it's that kind of a thing, maybe they'll let him take bumps elsewhere. Maybe he'll be able to get a little bit handsy as, like, a general manager. That's not happening, man. That's uh, that's a horrible sign for Daniel Bryan with that. 
but that's not too surprising either. And um, I don't know if I really want to see Brie Bella return. I don't know if that's like an unpopular opinion or not, but at this point, I sort of wanted the Bella Twins to retire a little bit. Like, it... I don't want to go so far as to say I want them to retire. But I think that Nikki Bella's neck and the state that the women's division is in already and Brie Bella's... This is going to sound mean. uh, Lack of commitment is the only words I can use right now. But she's never really looked at wrestling as her top priority. And she's a mom now. And being a mom is incredibly just like there's no comparison. It's the much bigger, more important thing to do than to continue wrestling. And she got a decent enough send off. So I would be okay if they continued to wrestle for a little bit. But in my mind, I think I would much rather see the Bella Twins have like one short run. And I don't know how to retire them, but they need to do a tag team match and the tag team that they can face. It depends on who they would want to be retiring them. Maybe Natty and um, who are they close to? I don't know. Naomi, maybe, I guess. I don't really know. I don't know backstage, but I think that that's kind of where things need to go. It's like they need to sort of have like a retirement match at like a SummerSlam next year. Because I don't think you have room for it at WrestleMania. WrestleMania this year, I'm thinking you're going to get that fatal four-way. Or not the fatal four-way. That eight-woman tag match. You're going to get the four horsemen against the four horsemen. And then your other women's match capacity thing is going to be Asuka defending the Raw Women's Championship and or the SmackDown Women's Championship being defended. And more so, I think that they might maybe put the belt on Becky Lynch around WrestleMania time if they're going to do that. Now, I'm going on a huge tangent here, by the way. Uh, If they put the SmackDown women's title on Becky Lynch and we get the four horsemen against the four horsewomen, four horsemen, four horsewomen against the four horsewomen, then they don't need to have a SmackDown women's title match on the card. Then we can get Asuka and she can defend the Raw women's title and that gives us two women's champion, uh, two women's title match. Ah, my God, I keep botching that. Two women's matches on the card, but the SmackDown women's champion just happens to be in that. Uh, I was going to call it Fatal Four Way. I am botching like crazy here, and I tell you one of the reasons why is because I'm looking at the time that's on here instead of just looking at the blank part of my screen or something. Anyway, I think we're getting four horse women against four horse women. The SmackDown women's champion in that match. Asuka defending the Raw Women's Championship match. And that's going to be our two women's matches for the card. I don't think you're going to be able to fit anything else. But if we can get Brie Bella working her way through the system a little bit and we get Brie and Nikki at SummerSlam in some kind of a tag team match, that could be the way to go. Then they just don't wrestle anymore. They could still make appearances in WWE. They could still be ambassadors to the brand because that's always going to be tied to them intrinsically, especially if Nikki Bella is still, you know, engaged or married to John Cena and Daniel Bryan is still married and has a family with Brie Bella. It's always going to be something that's tied into them. 
And WWE is never going to really want to get rid of them, too. They, they're going to let them do their outside projects, but it's always going to be like, hey, can you still be part of the family and stuff? And they can make their appearances and they can do that kind of stuff, but I don't think that we need them in the ring anymore. And I think for the motherhood and the health of both of them and stuff, that needs to be where they go. So if she is training to return to the ring, I hope it's for one last run and it ends by next SummerSlam. And that's about it. But if it ends up being better, then I want her to stay around. Could always be better. Let's talk about the state of Impact Wrestling, a.k.a. Global Force Wrestling, a.k.a. TNA Wrestling, a.k.a. formerly known as TNA Wrestling, a.k.a. now apparently formerly known as Global Force Wrestling. They are going back to using just the Impact Wrestling name. Uh, Jeff Jarrett has been, I guess removed from the company because it's supposed to be an indefinite leave of absence and now they're talking about how they don't want to use the global force wrestling thing anymore because he owns it which makes sense but what's going on with this shit Uh, another aspect to this and we can kind of brush over this a little bit more is that Jim Cornette has said that he is no longer working for them so this just proves they don't know what the fuck they are doing nothing has changed Dixie Carter was getting a lot of blame for being impossible to figure this kind of crap out and just screwing things up and not being able to sort out her plans for the future. And nobody knows what's going on here. This company seems like it's a curse. Whether it's Jeff Jarrett in charge or Dixie Carter in charge or Anthem or Jarrett again or Corgan, nobody seems to know what to do with this company. And I'm so confused about why that's the case. Why is it that no matter who comes in here, they can't even plan things out enough to be able to know who their champions are supposed to be, what the name of the company is supposed to be? And we're getting all this shit about how they, they're they not going to sell it. They're going to start off this network. It's going to be called the Global Force Network. You're not going to use that if you got the Global Force Wrestling name not a part of it, are you? So if they didn't dot all the I's and cross all the T's, why are you going through all these different avenues it makes no sense at all. And now what are they going to do? Are they going to make a whole bunch of new title belts because they need to just get rid of the Global Force Wrestling thing on there? They need to change all their logos again. They need to change all their accounts. This is ridiculous. And we've been talking for years now that you shouldn't even pity them at this point because they're clearly just too dumb to make these decisions that they need to make. Or there's like some weird puppet master thing that is happening, and it's like they can't get out of the, the curse or the spell or whatever. I hate to talk about people that I don't know and to say that they're idiots, but it's like, you knew what Del Rio was like, and you're going to hinge all your bets on Del Rio. And you got your situation with Loki, and you've got these people leaving the company, and you got Jarrett leaving the company. And you bring in Jim Cornette. I love Jim Cornette. I, I think he's wrong a lot of the time. But I still think that he's got a lot of wisdom to offer in certain capacities. And that he's a great entertainer. And he comes in for, what, like two tapings? To to be the authoritative figure to replace the authoritative figure. And then they're going to have no authoritative figure? What the fuck? Like, I don't understand this. This is so, so dumb. 
it really just confuses me. And on the topic of being dumb, we talk about TNA being dumb, and we talk about, you know, ragging on them all the time. We got to rag on WWE a little bit, too. They've announced that SmackDown has the Clash uh, Clash of Champions pay-per-view in uh, December, December 17th. We are missing two pay-per-views this year, which shows that they don't really have a game plan of what their pay-per-views are going to be. Or that WWE is really hurting and that they don't want people to know that these budget cuts are like a necessity because they're in a spot right now with these pay-per-views. If you look on smartcountmoment.com, you click on the little navigation bar, you'll see a little section that says pay-per-view events. You go on that WWE pay-per-view schedule. We had January, NXT, and Royal Rumble. February, Elimination Chamber, which was SmackDown, Fastlane, which was Raw. We didn't have anything for March, because March is always that kind of... Uh, well, we did have it in March, because it was February and March. Uh, February and March at the switch up between Elimination Chamber and Fastlane, that kind of a thing. But that's that's WrestleMania. They do that every year. Then we get a, NXT and WrestleMania. Then we get a weird switch up where Raw has payback after WrestleMania. And then we get NXT TakeOver Chicago, which is like, okay, they're just going to add another NXT show? Okay, that's a little bit weird. Then we get Backlash. So it sort of balances out as payback backlash, right? Extreme Rules, Money in the Bank, Raw and SmackDown, both in June. We're back on track. Two pay-per-views per month, unless it's a big four month, and Raw and SmackDown both get one. Great Balls of Fire and Battleground, both in July, Raw and SmackDown. NXT TakeOver Brooklyn 3, SummerSlam, makes sense. Next logical step, of course, is you go with No Mercy, Monday Night Raw, Hell in a Cell, and then you start realizing, uh-oh, we only have TLC. And then we have NXT TakeOver and Survivor Series. So we're missing a SmackDown pay-per-view there. Well, that SmackDown pay-per-view comes in December, and then there's no December pay-per-view for Raw, which means no Roadblock. And Roadblock was a thing that they've been using for the past couple of years. And why do we get Raw, SmackDown, Raw, Big Four, SmackDown? Big Four. I don't know what the plan is. So do they not want to run another December pay-per-view for Raw because they think that they can't put that in there? Or does that mean that we're going to get like January first or something they're going to announce another random pay-per-view because i highly doubt it uh we've got the royal rumble is january 28th nxt takeover is january 27th which then means we're going to go essentially think about it this way if you ignore the fact that a, there's a big four pay-per-view thing we're going to get tlc for monday night raw in october if you skip over survivor series and you skip over the royal rumble the next Raw pay-per-view will be either February or March with Elimination Chamber or, or uh, Fastlane. So we're going to go from October to February? That is insane. To not have a, a Raw pay-per-view in that time frame, other than the Big Four. 
it's really, it's strange, and I don't quite get this. But at least we can end on a positive note here. They do have a good idea when it comes to one thing that isn't quite a pay-per-view, but it kind of is a little bit. That's Starcade. They announced that Starcade is going to be making its return, but not as a pay-per-view. It's going to be a live SmackDown uh, house show on Saturday, November 25th, which is going to be at the Coliseum. And if you look back at history, Coliseum, Thanksgiving, Starcade, all kind of tied together. So, hey, that makes sense. Give it a Starcade theme. More people want to go out to this house show. You make a little bit more money. You pack the arena a little bit more. I like it. You bring back the Starcade name enough just to make it, you know, something. Why not, right? It's just going to be a regular house show if not. So, the Starcade name, if you're a big WCW person, I'm sure you're looking at that and going, oh, they're spitting in the face of it, and Starcade should be a regular pay-per-view, it should be a normal thing, you know, whatever like that. And I agree. I think that Starcade should be an actual pay-per-view. I think that that should be maybe the potential replacement of Great Balls of Fire or something like that, although I still think Great American Bash at the Beach. Uh, but Starcade is a good enough name, it's a good enough brand and whatever like that, that they could make that a regular standard pay-per-view. However, Heatwave used to be a standard pay-per-view. They use that now for live events. If we get Starcade as an annual Thanksgiving house show type of thing, and they actually put a little bit of effort into these house shows, the people that go to those house shows are going to have a hell of a time. And we already know the card, or at least the projected card right now that they're advertising. It looks pretty good overall. If you ignore the fact that title changes very rarely ever happen, and little caveat there, a little asterisk, could change uh, some kind of a title here. I mean, look at it this way. If we get a steel cage match between um, Baron, and that was Baron Corbin, uh, Shinsuke Nakamura and Jinder Mahal, it's unlikely that we're going to see the WWE title change hands. But we could see the women's title change hands. We could see the tag titles change hands, especially if they want to take these off the New Day and back to the New Day and give them a bunch of different title reigns. Tag titles could definitely change hands at Starcade, Or the United States Championship could change hands at Starcade. I think it would be pretty interesting, just putting it out there, if it hasn't happened yet, I think it'd be pretty interesting if Carmella cashed in Money in the Bank at Starcade. And imagine afterward... They're going through, like, the recap on the next episode of SmackDown. And they go, oh, man, we've got some fucking news. We did this Starcade live house show, and some shit went down. Carmella cashed in Money in the Bank. She won the title and just goes to show you you should go to these house shows because we do get title changes once in a while. We got that with AJ Styles in the United States title. And that's all fine and uh, dandy. I think that that could be a good idea. So I would say stay tuned to uh, Starcade. You might get some kind of an announcement there or something that happens. And that'd be kind of interesting. I like the idea that Starcade's coming back. I know that Cody Rhodes and Brandy Rhodes were a little bit salty about the idea that they were using that and Goldust isn't on the card and it's like they're using something that you know Dusty Rhodes had created and stuff. I don't know if they just kind of want to complain for the sake of complaining, because I don't look at this as WWE doing this to spit in the face of Dusty Rhodes. I think that they 
probably just finally got to a point where somebody pitched the idea and they went, you know what, Starcade used to be around this time and stuff, and why don't we take advantage of that? And then somebody went, yeah, yeah, might get some tickets. I think that that's what's happening here. I don't think it's some kind of desecrating the road's name thing or something. So it's all good in my book. I like the idea. I just don't like the idea that we're getting this big gap with the Raw pay-per-views and that we're missing a SmackDown one as well. I think that that's shoddy planning. And I hope in 2018 we turn this around because 2017, it seems like the theme for this year is that they're focused on like five things and everything else is just like, I don't know. It was like, what's your goal for 2017? Well, we got to put the belt on Goldberg. Why? Uh, Because we got to have him drop the belt to Lesnar. Why? Uh, Because uh, then in 2018, he's got to drop the reins. And what else do you got going? Uh, I don't know. Maybe we'll do like a shakeup in the middle of the year or something. <laughs> it's like they don't know what they're doing with the United Kingdom tournament stuff. They, the May Young Classic seems like it was rushed and they didn't know exactly what they were doing with that. And thankfully ended up working out a little bit better than they probably should have. And that's the running theme of this year. So it even comes to pay-per-views. Hopefully in 2018, we get two pay-per-views a month and they know what they're talking about. And the pay-per-views are good. And they can actually plan things out well. The stories aren't repetitive. They're not just having the same matches for four pay-per-views in a row. And I won't have to complain as much. (laughs) But we're about the 30-minute mark here, guys. And it is done as far as the hot tags go. Uh, Thank you all for listening to this. I want to remind you, of course, to leave your comments below and tell me what you think about all these other kind of topics and stuff. Hit that subscribe button, too, if you haven't done that already to make sure that you can be aware of all the new things that are going to be posted on here. All you got to do is ring that bell and check off that you want notifications because the next thing that's going to be coming up is our predictions for No Mercy. And, of course, at the end of the week, our No Mercy post-show review and recap. Not sure if I'm going to be doing either of those solo or if anybody's going to be joining me. Hopefully... We'll figure that out over the next few days while I'm talking to the crew and everybody. And um, either way, you'll see it when it's up. So follow us on Facebook and Twitter at SmartCatMoment. Follow me on Facebook and Twitter at Tony Mango. You can see that in the description below and stuff. Obviously, check out Fanboys Anonymous because I'm going to be having a Kingsman review up at some point in some fashion Thursday night, Friday morning or so. I'm going to be seeing the movie Thursday night, so... um, Probably not going to be doing the Miniman review. Probably just going to be doing a review point. But we'll see. And over these next couple of weeks, it's going to be a weird schedule. Because I'm switching around when I'm doing hot tags on different random days. And we've got like a little stretch of time from October 9th, the day after Hell in a Cell, until that next Monday. It's Monday to Monday where I'm not going to be here. I'm going to be in New York again. So maybe I'll record a podcast that week. Maybe I won't. Maybe I'll record something ahead of time if I get a chance to. Or maybe if I do record, maybe it'll be like shitty quality or so. But basically, the reason I'm pointing this out is we aren't going to be following that structure anymore of having that the hot tags and then the IWC outreach and then the main event. Or, you know, even with the idea of the hot tags and then the main event. We might get hot tags, hot tags, main event, main event or main event, hot tags, main event, main event, hot tags, hot tags, hot tags, main event, main event. You know, like, it might be kind of crazy like that and stuff. And the best thing I can tell you guys is go with the flow, and hopefully you enjoy it. Uh, point, and above all else, is going to be 
I'm not going to be stopping doing content or something like that. It's just going to be maybe there's a little bit more of a stretch of time than normal of when I would be posting something. It's not like every like three days or so that there would be a video. Maybe it'll be like a six days and then you'll get three things in a row or something like that. But we'll all see. It'll all depend on my schedule. It'll depend on what's going on. It'll depend on how many hot tags there are. Thankfully, this week, there were enough hot tags that I could do this a little bit earlier and I can get it out of the way and I can get it to you a little bit sooner. But we'll see. Either way, that's all the more reason why you should subscribe to the Facebook, the Twitter, the RSS feed, and subscribe on YouTube to get those notifications, because when they're posted, then you'll know. So with that being said, thanks for listening to this, everybody. One more time, just to put that out there. This has been another Smart Out Moment, and I'm being counted out. Bye.